all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. We are all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard, it's what you make of it, but what if only struggle surrounds you, what can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair, please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through, just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see, you are not alone, you have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know, but if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up, because you got this. Think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Authentic Points of View. I am Danielle Boer, your host, as always. Thank you for joining. Woo, I'm excited. So, I'm excited about today's guest. He is awesome. And we may have something in common, which, you know, I like talking about what I have in common with people. I'm going to try not to mess up his name. Are we ready? <laughs> Mikael Landau. Close, Perfect. I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Was a professional pianist and university professor for over 30 years. During the pandemic, Mikael designed an online course of short daily mindful movement practices so awesome welcome michael to the show <laughs> you can call me michael it's okay i've been teaching in english for in the last few years and everybody calls me michael so <laughs> but your version is so much prettier <laughs> so pretty michael, the yeah. hebrew version the hebrew ber- version sounds beautiful so speaking of Hebrew versions, uh, so how was it, how was your life growing up in Tel Aviv when you were little? Um, yeah, I grew up in Tel Aviv. I lived in Israel until I was 28. So all of my childhood, youth, um, some university studies, um, interesting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what can I tell you? There's, um, there's a lot I could say about it, but um, I I love Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is like a 
a word in itself. Um, and uh, it's lovely. It's at the Mediterranean. It's warm. It's kind of international and very... When I grew up in the 70s, in my youth, 80s, it was uh, kind of an amalgam of people from all over the world. All of my 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 parents' generation were immigrants mm. who came from Europe, from the uh, from Asia, from Africa, from everywhere. Basically, it it was a new country, kind of Jewish people coming back to Israel after two thousand years. So. Um, it was it was really interesting, lovely, uh, lively, and intense. Mm. Israel has been intense. It is even more intense now. So um, I, I actually wanted to leave when I grew up, and I um, um, was thinking of well, studying. What do I want to do with my life? Where where do I want to live? Um, I. I actually wanted to be somewhere else, kind of be able to to do my life without so much invasion of mm. everything around. And yeah, Israel is intense. Politics, war, conflict of all kinds. So at least my personal choice, and it stayed like that, is to stay away and go to visit. But uh, but I, I I had a pretty happy childhood. It was uh, it was a good place to grow up in. Yeah. So, oh, when you say intense, I think um, and so there's listeners in so many different countries and continents and everything. So, um, I know that they think probably <laughs> Americans. We are spoiled. I know you're not. I'm, I'm saying like I am an American. So we don't. Sometimes we have like a fixed mindset, which is something that I'm, you know, working on with doing a growth mindset and all these things that I'm working on. I'm becoming a life coach and all this stuff. So people sometimes become a product of their environment and they don't realize, and I have been guilty of it, that there's so many different countries and around the world that they don't have it like us they're not like they don't have the luxuries that we don't even find to be luxuries they don't have sometimes water or you know electricity or something i'm not saying that's the same thing with yours but i'm saying like we don't understand sometimes we like not that we don't care i don't want to say because i definitely do care but i was like kind of oblivious of stuff and i'm just gonna say really quick so i talked about it once I have a doctor I worked with work with I'm a nurse and she's from Ukraine and I'm trying not to cry mm. so I saw her the other day in the hallway it was just her and I in the hallway and uh, I said how's your family and she starts crying and breaking down because of how difficult it is for them to live and she said they have no water, no electricity, and her mother is sick. They have no, like, daylight is till 5, 5.30, and then they're just 
suck inside. It's being controlled right now. And I'm not going to get into that. Um, and just, it's so sad. And she has no control. She tries to send them money and do things, but she can't go there. They can't come here. And it's heartbreaking. And she is such a kind person. She works and she smiles and she takes care of the patients. And you don't even know that she's really going through all this. And um, and it kind of, you know, like listening to her, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I wish I could do more, you know, like, and she wishes she could do more. I mean, what can she do? And it's just like the small things that sometimes have bothered me in life are not saying, you know, I haven't had real issues. I really have. That's why I want to be a life coach. But I mean, so many people are going through things that we would not fathom that we're just like, how did you live through that? My friend is from Nigeria. She used to say that she they were beaten with all kinds of stuff. And she lived in a boarding school for five years and never saw our parents. And we were like, from the age of five to 10, never saw our parents. And we were like, what? But that was her normal. Right. And so, like you say, intense. So something intense for you might be like, we just couldn't handle it. Or something like intense for us could be for you would be like, that's nothing. Right. Because you've you've been through a lot more. So thank you for sharing that because and I'm sorry I'm crying. I'm such a wimp. But it's just uh, we have to think about more than just what we're going through in our little bubbles you know we have to really be kind and just know that life is just not it's just not simple for everybody it's not simple for anybody really but it could be a lot harder so anyway sorry I went off on a tangent but <laughs> but yeah when you said intense I'm thinking about what she told me I'm just like that's extremely intense yeah there are, there are levels and levels of yeah. intensity right I, I i grew up in a i don't have that kind of intense no but it's still in, yeah. a, in a protected environment protected family nice school kind of a a regular life we, we never um had any kind of scarcity the the intensity for 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 me at least was in the in the broader environment of course, the, yeah. The political atmosphere. So, so I was I was never in a war zone. I never took part in a battle. So, there are grades. <laughs> it can get a lot intenser. Mm -hmm. I know that. Yeah, I'm but that doesn't take away for for, for my yeah. <laughs> my personal fate. Yes, but yeah, so it no, I wasn't diminishing like your yeah, or saying that yours is is bad, but it's just the point of just being like open minded and knowing that you know people have lived through things that are not the same, you know, or people in the inner cities here, it's rough, it's like there too. So, um, okay, now it's really exciting because I love musical instruments. So what age did you start um, learning how to play the piano? I started playing, taking classes at seven. Hmm. I was seven. I took classes uh, until I was eight, 17. Um, so during all my childhood, I was pretty lazy at the piano. I didn't like practicing. I was a fast reader. Hmm. So I had a, the, the gift of 
of being able to read pretty quickly, read sheet music. So, so I could kind of do the thing and advance and um, and play more complex things. But, but I, I was, as a child, I wasn't passionate about uh, the piano, like some kids. I mean, there are, I've had some colleagues who spent their childhood with their instrument because this is what they wanted to do with their lives. I, I wanted to play and fool around and go out with my friends. And when my parents told me I should practice, I practiced for a few minutes and that was about it. <laughs> so so my my passion or my decision to um, to make it into a profession came pretty much later, really. Okay, so how much, so, you know, until you were 17 and then how much later did you go and study it um, in Vienna, right? Is that where you studied? So how many years was that? that gap so pretty much later i um i lived in tel aviv when i during my 20s i went to the university and did something like a college this was a, a general humanities and english literature um i i didn't know what what i was what i wanted to do with my life so i just went to the university to see what's up <laughs> and I've been playing the piano for in, in my free time. I always had a piano and I always played it for fun. And at, at some point I started, I, I had friends who, at, uh, a singer who lived just in front of my house, mm -hmm. a cellist friend who was playing the, the cello. And um, I started playing with them. Because oh. they asked me, accompany in these songs. Um, let's play something together. And this is when I when I when something lit up in my mind. Because I never wanted to be a, a concert pianist. I mm -hmm. sit at home for eight hours a day to practice my stuff, then go on stage and play uh, solo repertoire uh, for the piano. That is extremely uh, um, difficult and uh, complex. It, this is not the kind of work that I wanted to do. I, I didn't have that inclination at all. But playing with other things, doing the, this whole thing of chamber music, the the cooperation with people, the interaction, the accompanying is, is a very special thing. Some excellent pianists don't really accompany well and the other way around. Um, it's It's a different mindset. And it has to do with working with people and uh, and and i thought okay this this may be it i really loved doing it i loved playing with friends and colleagues Aww. and and um in at least in in israel and in many places you have to go and study the piano have a degree in piano and then kind of for a master's degree you can um specialize on accompaniment I didn't want to go through that, like four years of really, as I said, sitting at the piano for many hours a day and studying solo repertoire. I wasn't going to do that. So, And I found out that um, in some places, in Vienna, in uh, Germany, there mm -hmm. were a couple of places where they had this um, uh, special uh, spe specialization uh, for pianists in accompaniment and especially with singers, which is what I really wanted to do. So kind of learn to be an accompanist for vocal music. 
very very precise but it's different you have to uh, on top of being able to play the piano and work with uh, uh, with with other people you need to know the repertoire you need to understand the language opera Italian German lots of other stuff except for playing the piano so um yeah so I was 28 when I went to Vienna to to the Vienna Conservatory to study this I found a teacher who was a great accompanist worked with very good singers I well I actually packed a big suitcase and and went to to give auditions in a couple of school in schools in Germany and in Vienna oh. and I ended up in the, at the Vienna Conservatory oh, the, wow yeah so that was oh so germany hands down so i was born in hawaii but i don't remember it so i can't count it but germany was my favorite place to live and the first time i lived there i was um really little so i don't really remember much i know we had like a pet rabbit in my classroom that's, that's all i know mm -hmm. um i was four five and six and then the second time i was 10 11 and 12. And I really had the most amazing time uh, being there. We even lived um, with a German family at one point when we weren't living on base. And it was one of the best experiences. We used to go to different countries, like on the weekend, like you would go to a different state. And I don't even do that. And, and I'm in the United States. So it's not like, but we did, we would go to so many different countries and been to Austria. So beautiful, different places. Like, and so um it was such it was the castles and the oh the culture and the food and the everything I so that's so awesome where uh, did you live in Germany so I lived in uh Stuttgart the first time and then Heidelberg the second time oh Heidelberg is beautiful oh it's so pretty I miss it so it's much it's beautiful oh. this old university at the top of the hill yes gorgeous i have not yeah. been back uh one day i will go but i have not been back yet so and that's when i was i left when i was 12 and i'm 40 so <laughs> it's been a while but <laughs> i need to go so speaking of universities where were you a professor at like which university was it in vienna oh, or was i it? i did those uh, studies at the vienna conservatory okay. and then i uh, they offered me a a job there to be wow. an, an accompanist so this is this is a regular teacher's um oh. job that is accompanying singers it is wow. each sing each singing student in all of the areas the, the classical singing okay. um opera uh, musical theater and theater acting all of these people have uh singing classes of different types and they need a pianist to uh, work on their on their um, literature and their interpretations so um they they all have a, a weekly hour with a pianist that was my oh, wow. job so working cool. with singers on their um on their music on their interpretation Wow. I wasn't teaching voice. I was the accompanist. I was working on the on the repertoire, mm -hmm. and I also worked in the in the musical department, musical theater. So the then I, I had to start looking a little bit away from the 
from the sheet music and improvise and uh, play different kinds of music. This was fun. Lots of Broadway stuff that they're doing there in oh. in German. There's quite a awesome. very high level musical theater in the German speaking area. Oh, sehr gut. No. <laughs> yeah, good. So, uh, okay. So sorry. what? No, sorry. So I was there for <laughs> yeah. um, 15 years all in all in, in Vienna. That yeah, and, so then, cool. and then I met my uh, Chilean wife and came to live in Chile. And I worked here in Valparaíso at the university. Awesome. The music Institute. Wow, how cool. So how was the adjustment to go from speaking uh, German probably all the time or being in Vienna to um, going to Chile? So how, how was the adjustment? Weather-wise, too, is different. Um, yeah. Yeah, actually, it, it doesn't get as cold here as, um, as in Vienna, but I was never so cold in my life because Chile is somehow built for the heat. Mm. And it gets, it gets cold in, the, in winter. I mean, it gets about zero Celsius, so freezing oh. point. So um, in Vienna, it could be minus 15 outside. Well, you don't use Celsius, but it is really cold. Yeah, that is but very cold. In, <laughs> but indoors, it's, um, it's warm everywhere. So when you go out, you get dressed and you get, cover yourself uh, with uh, clothes. And it was fun going out. But here it's, it's cold indoors. Because there is no central heating. It is always kind of built for summer. So, so I'm, uh, I was really, actually, the, the music institute in Valparaíso, where it never gets really cold, I was mm -hmm. freezing there. I had to play the piano with frozen fingers because oh, no. <laughs> there was no way to heat the room, really. So it's it, funny, the, the relationship with... Uh, with oh, the weather. I grew up in Tel Aviv, so for me, heat is great. Humid heat, it is not very pleasant. I love it, no problem. I hate being cold. So being cold at home is a bummer. Oh, but no. Other, other than that, I, I actually pretty... I, it, it was a very good change from Vienna to, uh, to Chile. It was like back home in in oh. some way it's it's much more similar to uh, to israel than vienna oh vienna yeah was a fantastic place to to live and uh, work with music i mean it's a it's a world center for uh, music and it was easy to live there i had a job at the vienna conservatory at the now it's a private university but at the time it was a it was of the city, so it was a municipal mm. conservatory. I, I so I was an, an employee of the city. Fantastic job! I could stay there forever, um, but I didn't really feel well in Vienna. It it was kind of cold. the The culture is uh, is is very conservative. It's very do the right thing. They kind of fear 
saying the wrong thing. It is I always was a little bit um, stressed out mm. just talking to people. So um, so so it was somehow relieving to uh, to come to Chile. It's more messy. It's more Latin, you know. <laughs> You can do your life, and it's it's some somehow easier for me at least. Wow, that's so interesting. So, <laughs> did you know um, Spanish before? Did you have you had learned Spanish before you met your wife? No, wow. no. It it took me quite a while to learn German when I went to Vienna because Viennese people speak difficult German. Ooh. So, it took me some years to understand them. But, uh, well, I studied in German, then I taught in German, I lived there, so it became pretty fluent. And then, well, having Hebrew, English, and German, I found Spanish quite um, easy, really. And my wife speaks English, so we started our relationship Wonderful. in English. And being here, and she had a small daughter, a three-year-old daughter, when oh. I came here, so I had to communicate. And she was speaking like a parrot constantly <laughs> in Spanish. I, I had to learn it. So oh. lots of practice, and it wasn't as difficult. Wow. So, yeah, so German is a very hard language to learn. Uh, so uh, Mandarin, you know, Japanese, those, and uh, English one of the hardest and my daughter for some odd reason is learning russian and she's nine she chose russian i don't know why i'm like what about german and she's like no russian what about spanish lots of people speak spanish here and you know and nope russian i'm like okay my grandmother was french canadian and spoke french how about french no i'm like okay whatever so I don't know how. All I knew is that she was pronouncing the word uh, no wrong in Russian. And that's the only thing I know. And she kept saying it like, I guess it's spelled H-E-T, but they say it like, Nyet. I don't know how to say it, but it's something like that. Nyet. But she, yeah, but she was saying it like, I don't know what she was saying. And I was like, that's wrong, girl. And she's like, no, because she's been to level whatever. I'm like, I don't care. I know one thing <laughs> and that is it. And that is not right. So, uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. So, okay. So you've learned a lot of really amazing things and and like just the holistic person like you you're just awesome and so can you explain what uh feldenkrais method is and um what all did the training entail like how long was your training to learn it so the feldenkrais method um was invented developed by a scientist and judo master oh. from the Ukraine, actually, who oh. went to Israel when he was 14. So he was basically an, an Israeli. And it's, um, it works with movement, conscious movement. It develops explorations of movement in order to learn. It's kind of a, a, a learning process in which you learn how to learn. 
So mm. um, um, the best the best way to describe it is that it somehow imitate in an adult way um, the way small children learn very holistically, very through the body, through the um, self-perception and through movement, in movement. You, you look at babies, uh, how they start developing the, the ability to, um, to move around, to have agency, to have voluntary movement. I mean, we're born without any voluntary movement. We cannot do anything. Just a few survival instincts. So um, the, the um, learning process is is very holistic. I mean, you can see the, the, how the nervous system develops, but uh, you, you can follow the steps of uh, learning through movement. And this is what uh, we do in Feldenkrais. In, it is difficult to, um, to talk about it kind of out of the blue because it is so many things. Mm -hmm. So... What it looks like, this would be the, the easiest <laughs> description. Okay. There, there are two modalities. The, the group modality that looks like a movement class. So the teacher gives instructions and you mostly lie on the floor, sometimes sit, sometimes in standing. But um, it is very often on the floor with very little effort. So you really lower the muscle tone which means that you are much more sensitive to detail. Mm. When, you, when, when there's more effort, I mean, when you're lifting a piano, you don't sense small uh, details. When you lie on the floor and you don't have to deal with uh, gravity, you can really do small things, become very subtle and um, perceive small differences. And we use that because this is the material for learning. And then we explore movement in everything that you can imagine and many things that you cannot imagine. I mean, the material for exploration is infinite because we can do so much. And uh, so so, um, so this is the group class. It, uh, it is kind of a, an exploration that, it, that has some steps, some variations, uh, builds up to something that makes sense. And and you you get information out of it. So it's not about reaching some end position or, or uh, developing a specific um, skill during the class. It's more about enriching your nervous system. And it goes into very basic things, like how you turn, how you hold yourself up, how you deal with gravity, balance, eye movement, neck movement, breathing. So the the thing that uh, that we can call foundational movements that are in everything we do so when you improve those things you improve everything anything you do and it was in very revolutionary for my piano playing for example although when i was taking the the training i, I had already finished my studies in vienna I wasn't taking any piano lessons and during the training my piano playing changed radically so it is really a, a very um, fundamental learning process and then there's the individual modality that does the same hands-on so you work individually with a person with your hands 
kind of uh, connecting and um, communicating with their nervous system. It is it is very precise. It is very subtle, and it's very beautiful. And the applications of the method are can be therapeutic and can be for top performance. Uh, can makes you make you more flexible and just uh, feel better in whatever it is that you are doing. And it can really help you do better. Pretty much anything. So wow. that's the method um and i took the training right after finishing my um my training in vienna so i've, I've been a feldenkrais practitioner for 27 years something like that long time and it's always been there accompanying me what uh, um, as i was working as a as a professional musician it was kind of in second plane it allowed me to survive and thrive as a pianist because many hours at the piano many people damage themselves and just get hurt by this kind of work so i survived it pretty well and then about three years ago i decided to quit the university i've had enough it was just before the the pandemic so right on time because classes stopped i couldn't have done my work if i was mm -hmm. there so it was a good timing and i decided to dedicate myself from uh, dedicate myself to feldenkrais and that's what i've been doing in the last years awesome yeah i wanted to ask like how did the pandemic affect your life but you just answered that so uh <laughs> mm. yeah because if it's that's got to be hard it's hard it affected us nurses too of course but um you know I mean oh so now you've been doing that method so do you have you teach the group classes like physical classes with everyone at a um is it like a big huge studio or where do you guys usually study this or practice it I should say so it it looks like visually it looks like a yoga class. Okay. Each person has a, a mat on the floor with some distance from the other so they can move around and this is what the kind of teacher is there. It it the 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 group classes are um I'm I'm not showing anything. It is mm -hmm. just verbal. So part ah. of what you what you have to do as a student is translate the verbal instructions into some intention. So that oh. is the, the first uh, the the first part of learning. You have to do something with the information and kind of transfer it to a, to a different plane into mm -hmm. in the intention to move. So so um, yeah, I have a I have a studio at home. This is a big house, big old house from the 1900s, wow. early 1900s. And uh, and I I live about less than two hours from the capital, from Santiago. So I had a, a studio in Santiago that I rented for one day a week. I used to go there and um, give group classes and do some uh, individual sessions. Um, and well, I was just beginning to figure out what it means to be independent and a business owner. I had no idea it was. 
quite a, a shock to <laughs> discover that uh, I have a business and I have no idea what it means. <laughs> a, a long learning curve. Um, and yeah, with the pandemic, it uh, it all stopped. Students stopped coming. The group classes, because they are um, with verbal um, instructions, they're very easy to transfer to the screen. So this oh, went on pretty smoothly into Zoom. Um, and it works nicely. Now I, I, I still do the classes online and I have students in different parts of Chile and some from uh, other countries, which would be, of course, impossible in my own studio. So it has yeah. its, uh, its benefits and drawbacks, of course. Um, and then, well, in the beginning of the pandemic, or just before the pandemic, I was invent invited to a Feldenkrais um, summit. It was in May 2020. I was invited to participate in a, in a conversation. So it was a summit. There were many things happening. I was in one of them as a... Feldenkrais practitioner, kind of a, a round table. And uh, this was in English. So all of a sudden, people got interested. And I had a, a mailing list of 700 people wow. who were interested in me, like from one day to the other. And I thought, mm, OK, what, what am I doing? I didn't, I didn't have any material in English. I could offer classes, but there are hundreds of Feldenkrais practitioners in the United States and Canada and Australia, English speaking, they were all going online. So I thought, okay, maybe I should find something that is really specific online for working at home. And this is when, when I came up with this persistent growth that is my, <laughs> now my, my uh, trademark, shall we say, yeah. um, which is, um, a daily practice. So I took this inspiration of what we do in Feldenkrais and condensed it to, to the most minimal um, units that make sense. And I found out, I tried, I tried it myself. I tried it with a group of kind of the, the pilot group. Um, and I offered daily three-minute sessions. So three minutes, you just stop what you're doing, listen to the recording, and you do an exploration of pretty much one thing. It is not a class that develops an idea and goes into details. You explore something specific for three minutes. And over time, you and the, the whole idea is to make it into a daily practice, a habit. So you do it every day. You do three minutes once in a while, it won't make any difference. But when you convert this uh, practice into something daily, it really worked. And it was a surprise for me because it, well, I just tried it. I had no idea what was going to happen. And people were really happy. And things were changing. The, the fact that you stop every day just for a moment and take a look at yourself, you kind of focus, it, it is a mindful practice because it only has, it has any sense if you pay attention. It's not mechanical. It's you work with your 
nervous system with your brain and um, and things really um change over time so i did like six months i had this first group uh, going with me for quite a while i kept creating sessions and i have this each day is a different exploration so it just changes from day to day it's not mm. the same it's not mechanical in any way it's in a new exploration each day and now i i did six months i uh, i redesigned it i put it in a different host it is now pretty well organized and uh, and looks well and works the automation i mean people can can be in a course and get a, a daily mail to with a daily link and the daily video and um and now I've, I've just finished creating 360 sessions so 12 months of 30, wow so i have a whole year of daily sessions and the, which was my my uh, shall we say my goal now i'm i'm sto stopping creating more sessions because i mean if you did 360 sessions and you want to keep going you start again and you're fine okay <laughs> so wow. there, there's that this is this is the the, the creation of the pandemic wow <laughs> so is it and don't get offended if it's not is it like meditation but no not really well i guess in meditation you're like calming and focusing is it similar to that other than you're you're listening to something but the so what is it called that's what something i need to do no it's not called what's it called guided meditation so is it kind of like that similar or no i call it mindful movement okay this is the, the best way i i can think of to to describe what it is it is a man, mindfulness practice you have to um to look at yourself in action and you look at small details it is small it is subtle um and and you want something to change so so there's nothing mechanical about it we, we don't work with the muscles you don't change your structure in three minutes but you can change what you're doing so so it's definitely a mindful practice in movement so it, it has these two components it, it's uh, it's mindfulness and it's movement so oh. mindful movement <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that makes there sense. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Put them together. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. Thank you for explaining that. So, okay, where did you study Buddhism? And like, what form did you study? Because there, lots of people don't know there's different types. Oh yeah, there, there's quite a, quite a few currents. Um, where. Well, my wife was in a in a Buddhist center here in Santiago that is part of a of a a large international um, movement or organization that is called Shambhala. Okay. Then there was some scandal and some. It it's been I don't know fell apart as in as a as an international organization, but the practice is Buddhist and it it is it has kind of a, a very um large basis of 
non-religious practice. So, so you don't have, you can, you can go a long way of studying, of meditating, of practicing uh, without becoming a Buddhist. And then if you if you finish the this uh, sequence of uh, schools there, there are kind of levels and um, different teachings that uh, that have a sequence uh it, it's very very well built it's a uh it's been developed by a tibetan um buddhist master rumpa rinpoche um fled Tibet with the occupation, went to India, went to the England, went to the States. And he actually it actually started this this Shambhala movement in the United States somewhere. And there are still um quite a few big centers. So Shambhala was the I, I joined the center. I took some levels, I did learn to meditate, did this. And and it's uh it's Part of the Vajrayana uh, current, so well, I, I'm not an expert on on Buddhist the structure yeah, of yeah. Buddhism in the world, but <laughs> um, it it was a good practice, and I I went through this whole non-religious um, sequence of courses. It ends up with a thing called the Warriors Assembly, which is it, it has a very strong social focus like the the thing of bodhisattva i don't know if that means anything to you like the the, <laughs> the buddhist warriors who um who go out to the world to make it a better place so so they they have this monastic um practice but uh there's a, a strong push to uh to go out to the world awesome not so... just stay in your monastery oh, nice. yeah so 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 i did that i never became a, um like really went into the religious part of uh, buddhism but but the meditation practice is still part of my life and yeah. wow. makes a lot of sense yeah i think so my oldest son um his family uh are buddhist and so i lived with them as a teenager before my son was born and so they actually are i might be saying it wrong it's sgi so it's like sogo kai something and theirs is where they chant to a scroll like tina turner have you heard of tina turner she's buddhist so she was yeah that kind so no. they they chant so it's like meditating but they chant it's a long oh it's so long but um a lot of it is repetitive so it's like nam renge kyo like that and then they da -da 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 -da, okay so um there's also levels so i actually took the entry level and i scored higher than all the children that were raised in it but that's because they didn't take it seriously. And I did. I was like studying and like taking it serious. And to them, it was like something they were had to do. You know, they're like, well, we always have done this. It's not a big deal. But I thought it was like, I was like, I'm going to do well. So anyway, so yeah, so that's really cool. Um, and a lot of it, you're right, is about and I never understood the religion part of it either. But it was just the fact of like, 
the meditating and the calmness and the helping people, like you said, like um, good energy and and things like that. That's really important. Giving off good energy, you know, uh, taking the energy from people that's only good, like not, you know, so it's really good. I don't know everything about it. So and it's been a long time because, again, I am 40 and I was 17. So <laughs> long time ago. So okay. what is the anagram? And is that how you say it? Or how Enneagram? Okay. Enneagram. Enneagram. Um it's a test, right? Is that right? Or well, no, the Enneagram is actually a a kind it? of a, a figure oh. with nine points okay. and they are connected with strange lines. Oh. And it comes from very ancient um traditions, kind of a it's a secret um, teaching, spiritual things that I don't know anything about. <laughs> and it was brought to the West by Gurdjieff, um, who was this um, the spiritual um, teacher from the southern part of the ex-Soviet Union. Oh. I, I don't know. Gurdjieff was this big... Um, um spiritual teacher mm, well doesn't matter he he brought it up and and made some sense of it and um then at least one current of using this enneagram is has been developed by a chilean guy whom i oh met and took some courses with um, Claudio Naranjo, a very clever guy who, who was a gestalt therapist and studied the Enneagram. And he m made use of the Enneagram as a therapeutic tool. So kind of okay. learn yourself, understand yourself. And the nine points are nine types of personality. Oh. And each of them has three sub um, types so there are 27 there, there's a lot you can uh, it, it's been developed by him quite in detail um and the whole idea of Claudio Naranjo at least is to uh, use this as a tool to understand yourself and free yourself of your neurosis so so these are he, he treated these these types as uh, as different styles of neurosis, which means the way we uh, developed as very small children to deal with reality and with not receiving exactly what we needed. So we had our um, uh, individual uh, ways of dealing with scarcity, with uh, our, our ways to receive the love that we uh, wanted, um, so there, there are different personality types. This is the the best way to to describe it in in this particular use. And then wow. there are other currents. There's actually in the United States. Um, I just received an email that there's an Enneagram uh, summit coming with like seventy speakers. So lots of people use this in different ways. Kind of a, a self 
growth, self-knowledge, self-learning uh, tool. So that's that. I've, I've been um, here in, in Chile following this, the path that, that Claudio Naranjo um, has developed, which takes the Enneagram as part of uh, a set of tools for growth, learning, improving, healing, getting, <laughs> making your neurosis a little softer and less obligatory. Awesome. So do you use it to help people like in your practice? Do you like combine all those things together or? I don't use the. You don't? Okay. I, I used it in those, uh, in those workshops uh, mm -hmm. of um, Claudio Naranjo that are called SAT, S-A-T, Seekers After Truth, he called uh -huh. it. So there, I've been studying it mainly for myself. And it made a lot of sense. It's this kind of, uh, you know, sometimes you you read about your type in any kind of uh, um, approach, and you feel like, why do these people know me so well? They're not mm -hmm. supposed to know me. Like, I mean, the, it, because he made these connections of uh, motivations of where where it's coming from, of my history with the way I deal with the world and um, it it allowed me to see things that I that were invisible before so made it wow. made a, a lot of sense that was quite important in my in my path of of becoming a, a healthier person hopefully <laughs> awesome well you sound pretty healthy to me but who am I? No, I need to work on being out there. You sound awesome. Yeah, you know a lot. You're very smart. better than before. Yeah, and that's the what. That's all we can do, though, right? Is like we have to get a little bit better and a little bit better. We're not gonna, you know, go from zero to a hundred and something like the autobahn. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it takes small steps, and we learn things, and we change and grow, and and you know, and I think that's that's wonderful. So what advice do you have for someone that wants to do the same thing? They want to like change their mindset or they just want to be different. What advice do you have for them? Maybe like a first step to doing that. So the the, the tool that I really use daily for myself and in my work is attention to movement. It's really funny because people, I mean, there's a lot of talk about health. What can you do? To, uh, and, and it's very clear that we need exercise. We are in a, we are a sedentary um, society. We sit a lot. We need to move more. So there's this whole area of exercise. And then there's the mind healing and uh, calming your mind and meditation and uh, that kind of a totally separate world. The, the what we've been talking about before, mindful movement. Take these two two sets of ideas that are usually totally they are done by different people. They are uh, offered as kind of something else, the, uh, totally apart from each other. Combine the two, and you are uh, 
in, in a global holistic path of improvement. So pay attention to movement. Now, it, this is not a very clear and practical uh, um, advice, but, but it's just think of this idea. Don't treat your body as if it was your brain taxi and kind of a mechanical thing that mm -hmm. you have to treat mechanically, like go to the gym and read your uh, your messages while you're bicycling. This is an insult to your brain. I mean, it has some mechanical effect, but uh, your movement, your body, your acting in the world is part of you as a whole. So, um, and there, there are different ways to do it and there are different currents and take class take feldenkrais classes there is bound to be a, a feldenkrais practitioner around you uh, look for it you'll find it and now that there are classes in person again you can go to somebody's studio somewhere nearby but um yeah the the, um, the advice would be Take three minutes. I found that this works. Three minutes. Put the, put your alarm for three minutes. Stop what you are doing every day and look at yourself. And you can start with breathing. You don't have to invent anything in particular. Just watch yourself breathing. What, what moves when you inhale? What moves when you exhale? Stop. Turn off the phone. Don't look at any screen. Look at yourself. So that is a mindful practice, right? It's a practice of mindfulness. Just be with yourself and your mind will, will wander. And of course, and you just call it back, just this softly. No, it is not a, um, you don't have to be a tyrant about it. You just have this intention of being with yourself for three minutes. And then you can start doing things so like, you, you're washing the dishes. Nobody washes dishes anymore. I do. We don't have a, a dishwasher. <laughs> but okay, this is a good opportunity to be at the sink, doing whatever it is that I'm doing. And I'm just there. I can not go with my mind somewhere else, but stay really with what I'm doing. And notice the movement, what I do with my hands, what the water feels like, how I move one hand and then the other how I'm breathing, a mindfulness of yourself, of your body in movement. That's a, it, it's a wonderful practice and it really makes a difference because you notice things. You notice that you're clenching your teeth. You notice that you're not breathing. You notice that your, uh, your um, shoulders are up and you're, you, can, you could decide to uh, relax them if you notice. So... This would be kind of a, a first approach. And if you make this into a, a daily habit, on top of having more awareness of yourself, you you be you you train your focus, you train your awareness. It's a skill that gets better when you use it. So it's a practice. Wow. That's so cool. Do you think it helps with memory also or or just focus? I'm asking selfishly because I need to improve my memory. I I think in any mindful practice is helpful to the to the health of your brain. Mm -hmm. 
the, this is there, there are studies about it i mean i i cannot uh, I, I don't have numbers i don't have statistics um but from what i hear and understand and read it makes a difference you want to use your brain you want to challenge your brain and you want to uh, to practice focus and it it makes your brain healthier awesome it does make a difference wonderful this has been so awesome i really didn't know about um about it at all to be honest i never even heard of it felt in christ so that's a really awesome thank you for teaching us and thank you for being here and speaking to us so where can we find you like what is your if somebody does want to do your um sessions with you or sign up for your three minute thing they're all that stuff where can where can they find you Please. So, my uh, the I have a membership. This this is a yeah. membership because it's a daily practice. Yeah, that is called persistent growth. My homepage is persistent-growth.com. So persistent-growth.com, and if you uh, you you can sign up to get some free samples of these three minutes, so that you see what it looks like. They are free. You are welcome to sign up. And just get the idea. And of course, if you want to join, you're most welcome. Um, yeah, this is the, the best place. And there's also a contact uh, information there. So my email is on my my homepage. Awesome. That is so cool. So thank you so much uh, for your... I love your energy because you're so like... So I'm always like... Meow like hi <laughs> and you're like that's good that's what I'm working on on myself too uh it's really funny because like at work when if there's a code most of the time I'm not gonna say every single time sometimes I get a little bit at the beginning of one I get a little bit like boom you gotta hurry up and get where you need to be or grab crash cart whatever but sometimes like people have been so surprised I remember it was years ago but I was actually facilitating the code, but not on purpose. The house supervisor, which is like the nurse that runs the whole hospital and kind of like oversees things, she had to go to the ER or run something there. And so she left and I happened to just be there. And so I took over and it was just a unconscious. I just did it right. I just like went into the mode. And so, um, I was like, okay, Epi, you have 30 seconds to Epi. Da 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 da. This has been going this long. Blah, 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 blah. And I had never done it before in my life. I had, I did, I never ran one before. I was getting bossed around, usually like, okay, you know, Danielle, you're on compressions or you're on this or whatever. And I was comfortable doing that. I'm okay with that. But in this instance, it became, I don't know, it was weird. It was just naturally, I just did it. And so I was so calm. And so afterwards, you like debrief. That's what we're supposed to do. No matter the outcome, if the person lives or the person passes away, you debrief. And so we did. And they were so surprised how calm I was. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I didn't even realize it was like, not that I was an outer body, but just like I was just doing the motions like I, we wanted to save the person. Right. So it wasn't about me. It was about saving the person. So, yeah, they were like, you're so calm. 
So, you know, I can be calm. <laughs> but that's good. Uh, you can be calm in the right moment. That's right. Important. Absolutely. If somebody's life depends on it, yes. <laughs> no, I can be calm also. But something really funny I just want to tell you. So I need to, and my boyfriend's been telling me this for four years, okay? Uh, we've been together four years. I need to meditate. And that's something I'm going to do before I start. I'm launching my business and I want to do that for myself and to help other people as well. Not teach them, but just be more present and everything. So um, they've always told me. So my sister is here visiting. Um, she's actually doing a nursing assignment from West Virginia. She's moved here from West Virginia to work in Atlanta to do her first travel assignment. So she does yoga and she meditates. My boyfriend meditates. And he keeps telling me like, and they're very organized and chill and like structured different than me. And I'm very like, bow, 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 bow. okay. And that drives them bonkers, by the way. <laughs> they're like, they do not know what to do with me. Sometimes they're like too much. Uh, <laughs> and they're very introverted and like, you know, and I'm not, I'm extroverted. So I meditated one time and it was guided meditation. And I said, my sister's like, oh, you should try. And I'm like, it made me feel weird. I was like, my head felt weird. I just like felt really weird. And she was like, Danielle, I bet you it's because you were calm for the first time. And, like, and, that's then, weird. Yeah, and I said, that's not right. I don't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do because, you know, not that it's okay or normal, but for me it is like, there's so many thoughts going dun, 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 all the time. Right. So to actually like nothing, that's different, right? It's not weird, but it's different. And it's it was good probably, but I just felt tingly. I felt weird. Like I felt like different, but that should not stop me because it will help me a lot. I know it will, but it's just something funny to tell you who seems very like, you know, said <laughs> it. I'm like, oh yeah, you, you'd be surprised if you if you were hearing the noise in my head because oh. it's there. But, yeah, but we uh, all do. yeah, meditation is really difficult, but it's not about um, putting your your mind out. Okay, it's about noticing, noticing uh -huh. what's going through your mind and just not going with it automatically. It's it's a practice of awareness. So uh, so in in that sense, you just stop and sit. And notice this notice this noise in your head. And I can tell you that when I did this first uh, level of Shambhala, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe the amount of junk that my mind produces in a second. I, I hated myself. It was, a, it was a really strong experience of, of noticing for the first time the, the, the content of yeah. of my mind so that's what it's about that's what meditation is just pay attention and notice and then you can you have a choice if you follow a thought or you just let it go and stay calm for a moment and another thought comes in you don't get to to put your mind in blank oh well no that's that's helpful because um that's what I, I saw. I'm like, that's challenging because if it's always like, I guess we all, a lot of us are in our head, right? That's what this is because it's just, you think and like, 
okay, wait, I was supposed to do this or did I do this or, you know, like, what do I have to do tomorrow and blah, 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 blah. And so you're right. Being present in the moment and being aware is very important. And that's something I can say. My, my boyfriend is very aware of things. Like he also played sports. So he can see, like, I cannot. So, well, my hair is right here. But he can see his peripheral is, like, insanely backward. Like, I mean, he can see so many places because of football. So he had to focus, or they would call soccer, until uh, <laughs> I, but they, he would, um, um, not soccer, football, like, not football, but, like, not soccer football. You know, see what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. American football. American football. Yeah, not the, re not the, I didn't say that. I didn't say real football, but not the football. Yeah. With the ball and you kick on your foot. I played, I played um, soccer, football, um, and I played in Germany too. So, but anyways, the point is like he can, he has like, I mean, it's just, he's so aware, but he pays attention, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people and don't take this the wrong way. Cause I'm sure you're not like this because of your practice, but a lot of women complain about their husbands. They don't pay attention to anything. Something can be right in front of them and they don't even know. And it's funny because my ex-husband was like that. But my boyfriend now, he's not. He says, I don't pay attention to anything. He pays attention to so many details. Like, he'll remember certain things that I've told him or names that I told him from years ago. And I'm like, how would you know that? And it's really amazing. Or like landmarks. Like, we can go somewhere once and he'll know how to get back to it. And so that's also the practice, I'm sure, um, that helps him with meditation as well, which is amazing because why wouldn't you want to be more aware? Like it's it's just it's so helpful and it's a beautiful thing to know and not that you like want to predict the future, but you can maybe, per, you know, prevent an accident if you're aware, you know, stuff like that. Like you can just be you would be able to break or maybe get out of the way or something like that to where if we're not paying attention, which I'm also guilty of, um, in Atlanta, traffic is horrible. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Atlanta area in Georgia, traffic, really, really horrible. So you have to be aware or there was an accident when I was coming home this morning, three cars and there was another accident. I mean, there's so many accidents. Every day I drive to work and back from work, there's accidents. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a day where I didn't see an accident, which is sad. Wow. And so we have to, like you said, we have to be aware. It could be weather stuff. It could be things in the road. It could be just people not paying attention. And also people stop. Like they'll be going 70. It goes from 70 to nothing. And I almost got in an accident the other day because of that. It's like it's like you don't see their brake lights and it's like they're going, going, going and then nothing. And it's just it's dangerous. And so, yeah, so being aware can save can save your life. I mean, honestly, and and so your practice is amazing. I thank you for sharing it with us. And I'm going to go on and, and check it out and see if um. Or maybe I could do the membership because that would help me like to be like aware. And then, you know, I'm a nurse, so I help people. And so even though it's mechanical, um, my back hurts all the time, which is, you know, physical. But 
if I was aware of certain things before I physically moved and did that, I bet you it would help me a lot. And I wouldn't be in the pain and I would be careful and I wouldn't just, you know, my bad knee. Sometimes I just turn the wrong way and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? But, you know, thinking about it, processing it and like, OK, that you be got to be careful, like, you know, because. Whatever with my knee. I've got a sprain ACL and MCL and different things. So literally it doesn't turn or do the things that it should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This practice is, is quite helpful with the uh, with health issues, with any with back pains, with bad knees, bad shoulders, bad Aww. neck. It is very useful because uh because you use your awareness to 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 fine-tune your your action and your organization of action, it, like from the basis. So you really change things. You change the way wow. you, you use yourself to, to act. That makes sense. That's wonderful. Thank you so oh, much again. Oh, I, yeah. I really need to check it out because, like I said, um, it will help me in so many aspects of my life, even just like, sitting in a chair and doing interviews or when I go start doing my public speaking or whatever, the different cultures and, and places and, you know, that it could be speaking to certain things are offensive or ways that you stand or, you know, folding of the arm, like that stuff is being aware also, right? Not just like being aware of course of your movement, but being aware of like, how could it affect things or other people, could be perceived because I don't want to go to a different country and I'm offending them by something that they don't, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't find uh, acceptable and maybe I don't have an understanding of it. So that's really cool. It's really like very deep and insightful um, that I didn't understand because I didn't know. So I'm, I'm just, I love learning new things and I love the why of things. So the way that it can help, like you're saying, like, I didn't understand it when you were explaining it because it's very complex, I believe. <laughs> like, you know, when you're saying, like, you lay down and all this stuff, but how it can help you, then I'm like, oh, yeah, now I, okay. <laughs> you know, because then it makes more sense to me. So that's really cool. You're so interesting. <laughs> okay. You really are. Yeah, you you know a lot of stuff. That's so amazing. You're very well-rounded and... um that's awesome. So I'm so glad that you help a lot of people and you came up with a method of three minutes. That's that's not a long time at all. And it's really amazing. So now I haven't said your name in a long time. M Mikael? Is that right? Mikael. Mikael. Yeah. You say it prettier than I do. <laughs> Mikael. Okay. So thank you so much again for sharing um, your practice and your your knowledge and everything with us and um, just the sense of just be aware. That's so good. Mindful. Thank movement. you, Danielle. Thank you. And you have a great day and I will keep in touch with you. I'm very interested and I need to, to do this myself. I'm so I'm excited right. to learn. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming and talking to us. You've been an awesome guest and just we've learned so much. So you have a great day and we'll I'll speak to you again. Thank you. You're welcome.
Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View Podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart. listening to authentic points of view podcast i hope that something you heard today changes your point of view if you would like to share your views please email me at authentic points of view at gmail.com or leave a comment on facebook at authentic points of view podcast remember always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart